Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hey, everybody. Um, we're about going to start right in here pretty soon. But I just wanted to, you know, first of all, say that, you know, one of the most exciting things that's happened since this whole thing, since this whole thing started, happened yesterday for me, which is the announcement of a Parks and Rec episode. Um, I don't know if you saw this or not, but... Park, the Parks and Rec characters. It's one of my, is one of my top three all-time favorite shows. If you don't watch Parks and Rec, it's like an unbelievably hilarious, brilliantly written show. Um, and and um, now, is it going to include everybody, like Chris Pratt? Yep, yep. it's going to oh, really? okay. include everybody. Um, Rob Lowe, the whole nine yards, and they actually wrote an episode to do via Zoom, as if the <laughs> coronavirus is happening in Pawnee. Indiana next to air next Thursday night. I think it's, it is off. They're doing it for charity type thing, like a donation type thing. But it is. It can just imagine, like you know, that. See, okay, that could work. I, yeah. I have to say that the the Saturday Night Live. I know they tried, and I, it, yeah. it was it was a noble effort. I I thought I thought it was completely unfunny. I didn't think, yeah. and, and maybe it's because there was no crowd reaction, but. Yeah, well, Park and Rec never had a laugh track, right? Right. So, exactly. and you know, you can imagine like Amy, Amy Pueller, you know, who plays the who plays the character of like trying to get every. You can imagine her reaction to what this would be like to how to handle a uh, you know social distancing. It's a really fun. It's just a funny concept, that, and they can tell that they're gonna. I think it's wonderful. And I I would expect other shows, other shows like to do this kind of thing because it makes sense. They're gonna. I I can't imagine the ratings are gonna be unbelievable. I mean, what people don't realize about these shows like Parks and Rec and Friends and The Office. Is that they're bigger now than they were when they were on the air? You know that they have the following that they have from Netflix and 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 you know Hulu and all that. Those shows are huge now. They're enormous. Like the popularity of those shows is just way bigger. So when you if you were to do a new episode of anything like that to try to raise money for this, phew, what a great idea, you know? Now, Kevin, I, I wanted to ask you because the last time you were on was last Friday, and I saw the first two episodes, and like six million people saw the first two episodes of the uh, Last Dance, the ESPN look at the Chicago Bulls. And it, it, it makes me sad in a way because I don't think I'm that old. And it's like people who were who watched that who were in their 20s and 30s didn't realize how great Michael Jordan was. It was like I was yeah. struck by like people on Twitter saying, oh, my God, I never knew Jordan was this great. <laughs> you are old. That's what it is. We are well, old. Well, I mean, that's the thing I've said, too, about Gretzky is, is that yeah. you really have to be over 40 to – uh, and almost really, uh, almost uh, my age to have gotten the full, um, you know, Gretzky experience, and yeah. you know, the same is true of Jordan. You know, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's sad. I haven't actually seen that. I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to to watching that. Um, They'll probably run the first two episodes again before three and four. They usually do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I I do I do want to see that, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel so privileged that in my lifetime I've seen some incredible athletes, yeah. obviously, you know, Michael Jordan and Gretzky and Lemieux. Um, I feel, per I mean, I feel, per I feel like I'm the perfect, I am 52 years old and right. I'm the perfect age for Wayne Gretzky because I was a senior mm -hmm. in high school. I mean, I, I was, I was a freshman in college in 1987. So you're looking at like when the, when, you know, the Oilers and the Flyers play in the Stanley Cup right. uh, finals. 
And that's like the, that's probably the height of Gretzky's career right about then. So I really completely, and you know, I got to yeah, but it. I see, I, I think it, it started much before then. Like yeah, to me, to me, it, you know, to truly appreciate how great he was, you got to have seen, you know, the two fifteen. Right. Um, you know, uh, oh, and, for sure, for sure, no question. And that's that to me. That's when, and I did because I was like 11, 12 years old because we had never seen an athlete, um, who was that much better than yeah. everyone else, yeah. Um, like, I mean, you know, we, we've never seen anything like that. Well, yeah. we, we, so. we were lucky, Ken, because we yesterday we had Pierre LaRouche on the show, and you know, he played his career started, I think, in 74, 75 season. Right. And he was like one of those unique people. He played against Bobby Orr when Bobby Orr was still Bobby Orr. He played against Gretzky at his height, at his greatest impact, and he played against Mario at the beginning of his career. And he's based in Pittsburgh, and he and he said of the three, Mario was the one. And that's just probably personal preference. But I mean, they're all we're lucky. Like I remember seeing Orr as a seven or eight year old. I mean, not I, I don't remember all of it clearly, but I did see him mm-hmm. and I saw Gretzky and I saw him. So yeah, it's it just it's just weird how you know time passes and you just take into consideration the fact that Jordan was this unbelievable player mm-hmm. and people forget, you know, they, they see LeBron, they see Kobe, and they think, oh, those guys are the best of all time. And I, to my my opinion, they don't touch Jordan. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, you know, I, I'd probably say Jordan too, but I mean, Le- LeBron has been pretty incredible. Sure. So it's, I mean, and I, I really do. And I, you know, we've talked about this before, but I'm, I'm always accused of being a cop out because I separate, you know, those players by their one distinct talent. Like I, in my time, I never saw a better goal scorer than, than Mario. Like right. on on breakaways, he was the best breakaway guy I ever saw. By far. And Tom Laidlaw um, has said he was the only player that he ever played against that intimidated him. Even yeah. Wayne Gretzky, like he wasn't afraid to go against Wayne Gretzky, even though you know, obviously Gretzky did well against him. But yeah. he said Mario was intimidating. Like you, you, yeah. you know, he was so big that you you knew you were going to have trouble, and he was so skilled. Um, and because Wayne was smaller. Uh, it it didn't have the same impact on him. Yeah, sure, he got he eventually got dominated by him, but you know he, he it wasn't as to him as intimidating as going against a big guy who could do that to you. And yeah. you know I saw or um, you know growing up and you know because that was the heyday of my my fandom, and you know what he he was the most revolutionary player. Yeah, I mean he just changed the game. Um, you know at, at, you can't even describe that. Um, and of course, I also saw Gordy Howe, and I just thought he was just the best all-around player because, you know, he had a physical presence. Uh, you know, he was downright mean. He had an incredible shot. Like people have forgotten that, uh, you know, they clocked his, uh, and they, they didn't have a gun back then, but they did the mathematics on his shot and said it was like a hundred and some miles an hour. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I know what I think the difference is. I, Gretzky, we all heard about him, and he's, you know, he was a couple years young. Well, I, yeah, I think he's like a year younger than me or a year older. I can't remember now. But we, we all read about him when he was playing in Canada, and we're in the U.S., and he's one of the few guys that lived up to the hype that we heard about before they got here because we would always hear about different players in different sports. Oh, this guy's the next this, or this guy's going to be unbelievable, or this guy's – and, and the amount of hype that I remember even reading about Gretzky even before we saw him was unbelievable. And he yeah, that, was, 
He's 59, Russ. Oh, yes, he's a few years older. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So there he's you go. Older. And so that's the thing, I, I looked forward to seeing him after reading about him, and then it sort of dawned on me he was like, you know, the Babe Ruth of his sport. Like, Babe Ruth was so much better than everybody else in his sport that that's how I viewed Bretzky after a while. Well, Babe Ruth is is an apt comparison for another reason as well. You know, when Babe Ruth played, his name was synonymous with the game. Right. Um, and the same is true of Gretzky. Yep. You, know, you know, when Gretzky was traded, it really was like Babe Ruth getting traded. Well, you know, I'll tell you what got me about Babe Ruth, Kevin. I did a lot of research on him. And the thing that got me about him was when they did the tour and they went to Japan, people over in Japan already knew who he was. But it's like, how did you know about him? You yeah, know? I'll tell you why, because I, I actually have done this with Gordy Howe. Uh, and it's those newsreels. Yeah, yeah. Newsreels. Okay. Like people, um, you know, I met a guy from who grew up in Malta. And when he moved to uh, the United States, he told me that he knew everything about uh, Gordy Howe because the only hockey he ever saw growing up was newsreels about wow. how Gordy Howe was. Yeah, um, Russ, don't you remember that story that Bob Costas told in, in uh, Ken Burns Baseball about Babe Ruth, where the Japanese soldiers in the Pacific, when they were when they were they were yelling insults at the Americans. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, "Screw Babe Ruth," and that that was the their reference of Americans back right. in the day. Right, they yeah. knew that's crazy. All right, here we go. Ready? Yeah. <clears throat> that was already hockey related, but we'll continue as if it's you know as if the show's beginning now. Hello, hockey world. <laughs> It is Friday, April 24th, 2020. I'm Michael Agello, and I can't slam the Buffalo Bills for the first-round pick because they didn't have one. <laughs> I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology, and I remain unfazed by the draft. I don't even love what the Jets did. but <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, I'm Kevin uh, Allen, and I'm still a free agent. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm Eklund, you're watching Hockey Buzz Guest on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that can't offer Kevin Allen enough to not be a free agent. But <laughs> we're happy to have him with us today and happy to have him with us on Hockey Buzz as a, as a columnist right now. But, um, and, we, uh, we, and we're really happy to have you guys all watching it today. As we, and um, it's a Friday, which means that Kevin is here, which is, which is fantastic. I know we didn't kind of arrange that with Kevin. We sort of just made Kevin be a Friday guest. But um, – <laughs> I think you'll be on every Friday. work out well. There you go. Because this, because during this period of time, no one can really blow you off. You know, they can't really say, you know what, I'm busy. It's just everyone's pretty much. Yeah. I mean, they can, but you can. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> so it's hard to. Um, and yeah, we're really excited. We, uh, I feel as if okay, and I'm I'm going to be the optimist again, and you know, uh, feel free to shoot this down, Mike. Um, but <laughs> I feel as if. We have seen the bottom of, of our hockey angst. And we, because we're starting to see things like, okay, the draft, um, teams returning, you know, I just feel like we're, I feel like we're on the rise. Like, I feel like that, you know, there has to be a bottom somewhere. And it feels like it was a couple weeks, like a week ago, maybe to me, where there was no hope or no news at all. And I'm not saying that this is anyone's definite about anything here because we don't, we still don't know. But it feels like to me, like we are on our way back. And I'm just praying that that's the case, obviously, for everything that's happening and everybody stays safe. But um, then let's start with Kevin because Kevin, you had a great story the other day, and, and you talked about you know you, people you had talked to and the and the neutral sites thing, which was a really great um, break to a breaking story out there. So um, what are your thoughts on all of this? Well, um, 
you know, I, I agree with you to a certain extent. Um, I do think everybody is operating as if we're definitely going to give this a go. I mean, we're going to try to play. And I think everybody's on board with that. And the neutral site game, originally they looked at, um, you know, non-NHL cities. Uh, and then they decided, you know, that doesn't make sense because the logistics of trying to retrain people, um, even th things like uh, television, the camera, positions, you know, would have to all be reconfigured and it'd be better to go into NHL arenas. And obviously, um, although nobody is talking about this, um, you know, you're not going to go to New York where it's a hot spot and I can't, you know, you're not going to go to D Detroit, you know, where I live because, you know, we're a hot spot. Right. Um, so, you know, you're looking at some of the places where they have great uh, ice and, um, you know, good places to go that aren't being overrun by the virus. So, um, I think it's a good plan. Um, I think the players uh, will will uh, sign off on all this. Um, I think their situation will be a little better than baseball's because oh, yeah. it won't be four months. Uh, it'll be less than that. Yeah. Um, and I understand completely, having talked to everyone, why they want to, uh, you know, continue the regular season. Um, uh, you know, there's some fairness to that. Uh, it gives everyone a chance that. To that was on the outside of the playoffs, but we're scrapping to get in. You know, teams like the Rangers and the Minnesota Wild, you know, gives them all that. However, you know, as I've been beating the drum and nobody has been able to answer this, and everyone kind of chuckles nervously when I ask him this, and because there really is not an answer yet, is what happens yeah. if, if a player tests positive? Right. Now, I'm guessing that uh, Gary Bettman and Bill Daly, uh, and I'm sure Don Fear in his mind has an idea as well. But, you know, we saw a trial balloon on the draft, which we're going to discuss pretty soon. Yeah. And, you know, rarely do people admit that it was a trial balloon, but Gary Bettman did. Gary right. Bettman said that, you know, this was simply a trial balloon. Um, right. And I guarantee you Gary Bettman is not going to trial balloon what he's thinking about, about the uh, – <laughs> Right. Uh, yeah, but what happens when someone tests? Yeah. Because that's the big question. Like, yeah. if we get all this going, and the, and you know, this is all well intentioned, this is all pretty well thought out. But until that we can answer that question, not only um, from the uh, standpoint of uh, player safety, but also from the aspect of the competitiveness and having a real competition. Until we answer that, you know, I don't think we can, you know, move ahead. Well, I have to say, as the head of the Pessimist Hockey Writers Association, uh, act, I, I was actually optimistic. I've always, I've been saying from the from the outset, I thought that that the season was going to continue in some form. Um, and and Kevin, I'm encouraged uh, not only by what you wrote, but also uh, Pierre LeBron and a couple others who talked about the. And I think this is the right idea. The NHL is not locking themselves into just four venues uh, LeBron reported yesterday they're looking at, at as many as 12 just and not to play in 12 but to have backups in case there are flare-ups in other places and that's smart that means to me they're going you know they're planning on that eventuality and they can move this quickly from one venue say uh, uh, Toronto to Buffalo or Buffalo to Columbus based on you know a spike of COVID-19. The one thing I can tell you is I, you know, looking up stats and everything, there's over 858,000 positive cases in the United States. And as of like March, the end of March, when South Korea was testing, they were like testing, like I, I, just to 
50% to 75% better than we were. Yeah. We haven't seen that much improvement in testing yet. So as I, even though I am confident in certain things, like I know the draft is going to happen and I'm confident we'll have a season. There is something in me, a voice that still screams and says, I still need to see better testing, like all across the board, all these different States, because I don't see it yet. It's talked about, it's hoped about, but we don't actually see it. Here's the question. I'm going to, I'm not going to be, I'm going to be like a little bit of not a pessimist, pessimist as well here, just for a second. Um, and with, with, in regards to testing, I mean, we don't see more, when we see more testing, which we all know we need to see, and we all know we need to have a perspective of it. The reaction to the more testing will, the, 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 the result of that, if you play it out is, is way more cases, right? Because the, the, the idea right. here is that, you know, we have, you know, and part of me feels like the testing is low because they don't want people, you know, the conspiracy theorists is they don't want people to know how many cases there are really out there. Is it 10 times as high as that? You know, is there, are there 8 million people infected with this thing? Who knows? You know, it's a completely, and with the more and more cases, does that take us further and further away from it? When, as the testing improves, will that make it harder and harder for teams to justify this? You know, well, what I mean? that, that, that's sort of a double-edged sword act because, yeah. you know, yesterday when, when Cuomo came out and said that, you know, that they've been reviewing, uh, testing in a certain area, and what they've found is there's a higher percentage of people with the antibodies, which means it yeah. was pervasive even before February. Right. That you know, like the cold that I had in January could have been coronavirus. So, right, and I'm not saying those people are immune, but the people who have the antibodies more than likely are not going to get it again. So, if they test players and half of them well, have antibodies, well, Fauci keeps reminding us that that may or may not be true. Oh, yeah. They yeah. think yeah. that. They I, think I, that, I, but I, they, I, don't, they don't know that. Don't know. It's sure. not really a yeah. safety net yet. You're right. Yeah. And there have been cases in South Korea where people have come, have hit yes. yeah. However, in those cases, when they, when they go further in testing, they test the actual virus itself that is proving positive to them. The virus is dead and looks like it's a lingering effect of what they had before. So, they're not actually contagious anymore. Or oh, they, don't, they don't even know that, Eck. Yeah, I know they don't know that. For that, that's yeah, they don't know whether they're not contagious. We're, that's right now we're number two out. in the world for tests per million. Italy's number one. They've done twenty thousand nine hundred twenty-six per million people. We've done eleven thousand eight hundred twenty-one per million. So that's still too low. Like we're not even the leaders in that. Yeah, that's some alert from my uh, my right. city here. So yeah, either I'm supposed to run for the hills or we're. Been <laughs> you need to run for the hills. Run right. right. the corner and you know, you know, I, you know, I'm a true journalist. I'll just work through it. So, <laughs> hey, listen, let's uh, but let's let's get let's get down to what we're talking about here, yeah. and you know, we're kind of straying from the hockey part of it, but yeah. let's put it in yeah. terms that everybody can sort yeah. of understand now. I have I've talked to people who think that the plan will be now again this has not been finalized but in their mind that's what they're assuming is going to happen this is a team person right. who said that he he thought that um, there would be, everyone would be tested before and then we would be tested maybe every day players will yep um, and that that's sort of the assumption they're working on but yeah. here's the question that I keep posing that no one has had an answer to mm -hmm. and I've talked to seven different people who are kind of involved, not, not in the decision-making necessarily, but are, are part of all this, that are going to have to live in this world. And um, they, they all said, none of them had the answer. So the question is, okay, uh, let's just say for the sake of uh, Mike, that the Bruins and Maple Leafs play, end up playing in a playoff series. Okay. Yep. And then on uh, in the third day, um, two members of the Maple Leafs 
um, test positive. So we, we take them out for 14 days. Okay, so they're out, but it's like having an ankle injury, you know, like you just right. lose those, you know, next man up. But, okay, then the problem is, is we all know that they, even when they're asymptomatic, they were contagious. Well, you know, two days later, we have four more players. Right. You know, now we got six, and now we have – so is at any point do the Maple Leafs have to just forfeit? And then the Bruins all of a sudden start showing up with it. Right. And suddenly it's two, then it's three, then it's five, then it's seven. At what point does do both teams are they just eliminated from the competition? So what happens to the brackets? We're now uneven. Right. Um, like wow. you know, where do we go? Like there's this has potential to send us. Uh, what we could get restarted and everything could be going well, and then one positive right. um, because you can't catch it before it's too late. Yeah. Right. Um, could send this all spiraling down. We might have to close up shop again. I, you yeah. know, unless there's something I'm missing, and that's what I'm hoping somebody will tell me. You know, what, well, well, you know, where, where's the flaw in that? Well, how could that possibly be prevented? Yeah, so, I mean, we don't have the ability to test that. I mean, the only way to test that would be to, you know, grab twenty beer league guys, throw forty beer league guys, throw them into a hotel and have them play for a couple of weeks and see well, what happens. We have to, we have to say this <laughs> because, on this because the American Hockey League is is shut down. These teams are going to have rather sizable taxi squads for sure. For now, sure, they will. Yeah. But but you you know you're. I don't think you can. You, it's impossible, from what I know. Now, I certainly I'm not a doctor, but that's just from following this as a journalist. It's impossible to, uh, you know, if one person has it, to prevent this from escalating. Right. You can't get them out quick enough. It's already too late. The minute you know, it's still too late. Yeah. Um, you know, so I don't know how you prevent that unless you know yeah. I'm not seeing something of it. But I agree with you, and I think if it was. You know, if it turns out there's just two and then no one else tells positive, then I think everything's fine. Or if even if it's five, you know, right. as I long mean, as there's nobody on, on the other team. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to talk about there's always guys who get sick and everything like that. I mean, but it's such right. a different situation, obviously. But let's let's talk about something that really feels like it's going to happen, and that is the draft. Like, I think. Well, I, see, I, I disagree. I don't think it's for okay. sure going to happen. Let me put it out. And this is what has happened thus far that we know of. Right? Yeah. That, you know, Gary Bettman said that to general managers. Right. Um, so, since then, there's been a lot of grousing about it. GMs yeah. really don't want to do it. And I understand why, um, you, you know, it disrupts the way they do business. Um, mm -hmm. And it disrupts, you know, their planning for the future. Um, you know, the little things like m making, uh, you know, trading one pick to move four spots and all that, you right. know, becomes complicated. Yeah. Um, there's an unfairness in the, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out how we're going to uh, reposition the draft lottery. I, the latest I heard, I think Bob McKenzie had it. So, you know, it's good reporting yeah. was is that we go to the old school where only yeah. one team can move up. I've, I've heard teams are furious over that. Yeah, they like everybody moving up. So yeah. there's so many problems to it. And, you know, what makes it interesting to me is Gary Bettman admitted the next day, just totally admitted, I just I try to balloon this. Yeah. I want to see what the reaction was. Right. Well, the, so. the, the, the interesting thing is, and, and, and Pierre Lebrun reported this yesterday on the same thing that uh, Bob McKenzie talked about. Um, he said that he had sp spoken to 28 
teams, representatives of 28 teams, and that 15 of those teams basically said hard a hard no that they would not they they would not buy in to having a draft in early. They're talking about early June, not like late June closer to when they would be playing games if they resume the season in July. So what I mean there there are a number of hoops that they would have to jump through cab the, the one that I I'm trying to grasp is how can you determine spots in the lottery when you're going to continue the regular season afterward? The the, the lottery is yeah. based on t- teams making or missing the playoffs. That's not going to be determined until the teams play a full 82 games. And how can you have the hold the draft lottery and hold the draft when the when the regular season isn't complete? I think this is where you roll it back to 68. I think that's what you have. To yeah, do. I think you have to roll it back to 68. Well, I, I think you just don't do it. Like nobody okay. wants to do this. Like I, I, the argument is, is that it's going to create this uh, interest and keep it, you know, hockey in the minds of people. But you know, this isn't the NFL draft. Like at least in America now, in Canada where I don't think you have to, you know, keep hockey in the minds of people that's always there, even during a pandemic. But in America, you know, it's not going to be like the NFL where we've watched these players. We, we're not going to know beyond, you know, the top 10 maybe at you best. You know what? It's gonna, I don't know anybody beyond the top 10 in the NFL, and I was watching. I think No, 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 Ross. You, you can't even compare that. I mean, think about this. You've got a league. You, you don't know them if you don't know them. I it mean, doesn't matter because we have a built-in uh, rooting interest in, in conferences, yeah. in um, uh, schools. Uh, you know, we, we know the history. We have experts who can kind of fill us in. We know how the process works. We don't really have that uh, infrastructure built in for hockey. Well, let me ask you this. The the biggest downside of not doing it are all the expiring contracts. There's a ton of them. Well, yeah, and the fact that this the trades, uh, which I think people look forward to the trades, and you can't really, I know, Eklund, you've said that they should be allowed to make trades, but you can't do it before you start the playoffs, like have a second trade deadline. Uh, I mean, Kevin, we're in a different world. I mean, it's like, I, I want to, I mean, like, it's so funny because. But then I want to talk, because I talked to one owner currently, one owner previously about this yesterday, and I'll give you a very differing, differing look at that whole thing. Okay. So but go so ahead. All Kevin. I was going to ask, Kevin, is has anybody given a retort to what are you doing about the expiring contracts for scouts and for, and it's for a lot of management too. Like what are you, what can be done about that? Well, in the CBA, it says that you have to, you know, when your contract expires, it says you still have to play the playoffs, even if it, the contract goes. So no, that's but these are non-players. These are non-players. These are these are scouts and you know assistant general managers and a lot. I, of I, I, I think you. I think you just offer everybody a two-week extension. Yeah. You yeah. think you're going to pay them for another? Two- yeah. 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 I mean, what? What? Why is that so difficult? But it'll be more than two weeks because. You think this? I mean, if if, it's well, if, you, if, if you hold the draft in two weeks, you yeah, really why can't you, why can't you just do what you normally do? And you know, like they're signing uh, players for next season, then you know, decide what you're going to do for I your. Uh, yeah, I mean, you still need to guys at the table. You don't have them at the table. It's not like you're going to be able to look through all. They don't have a list of 250 guys. How, how is that? How is trying to get you know keep them longer? Um, any different than when a new GM has taken over and these guys know that they're going to, you know, be out of work come July 1st. I'll tell you how, because they're already furloughing other workers. Why would they want to keep these guys on? And it'll be probably another month or two. Well, then I guess then they'll just do that. 
Yeah, but Russ, like we said yesterday, like they've already had their scouting meetings, so every the GM kind of knows yeah. how everybody feels about the players. I guess they let them go then. I guess. Plus, like we said uh -huh. yesterday, one of, one of the concerns might be, you know, a scout whose contract is up June thirtieth. He goes to sign with another team, and he brings all of his information with him. So it's like I, I talked to somebody about. Let me let me let me get into this for a second because like yeah. I, so first of all the scout thing, okay? Because I talked to somebody, I talked to a, a current owner and a, and a and a past owner yesterday about this stuff, yeah. and um. The current owner said, listen, the scout thing is this, like we have a bunch of like bunch of scouts. Like they obviously there are a bunch of scouts that are being hired by teams, right? And their contracts do end in at the end of June, just right. like Russ is saying. And if you were to make that decision now, like I said, why don't you just extend them? Like, why don't you just say you make your I said the same exact thing, Kevin. I'm like, well, you know you're good, they're good or not. Let's just extend them. He's like, Yeah, but we can't do I mean that that then we just paid for a whole year for nothing. He's like, right. if they leave us June 30th, I mean, we might not like them, but they still have information. We might think that we want to change them, but they still have information. That information, we need that information, you know. And we can't, we can't expect them to like just these guys well, aren't. They, ha they have the information. What they're really afraid of is just what either Mike or Russ just said that they'll go to another team. And I think, uh, I think, yeah, but it, even in the case where you're, I don't think, I don't think, I didn't get the impression that that was so much the case with the guy I was talking to because he said these are guys that he doesn't want anymore. So if he doesn't want them anymore, like you know, well then cut them. Let him go to another team. Oh, he, he doesn't want. But act, they have proprietary information. They have, right. they could give a spreadsheet to their new team of every pick that or every player. Right. And not only that, but he, he said, "Listen, not only do they do they have their their information, but they have our information. Like every because scouts work together, so like you have a coordination of scouts. So like if, if you're firing a guy, he knows he knows the whole team strategy, not just his strategy. But you know, right. I think, I think the whole team strategy. So you're like, well, you, uh, that, that's you lose, true. But you lose I, like that quorum at the table." The GM may have the reports, and he may still have his director of scouting, but a lot of times those guys get their minds changed by these scouts who won't be able to be there and say anything. Exactly, so, and, and that's brought up to us. He said there was an example last year of a of a of a, of a, um, a player they were they were going between two or three different players in like the second round. Right, uh, and there was one scout that they they knew they were going to fire. That this guy they just felt like he was just didn't do anything really, but he did cover one of those teams that this one guy that they were thinking about. Um, was was involved with and and a lot like he covered you know he covered like five five of the twenty teams they wanted him to but one of the teams he covered was the team that this, they were going to make the decision on this guy right. so they called him up and uh, you know even though they knew they were going to fire him a couple of days later at, you know before July they, that this was going to be it, it, it the information was invaluable and they all felt like okay well at least we got our money's worth for this guy for the last year because of that one phone call where we got you know got information on him. For that one and you know sometimes that's all you can hope for you know you're not, you're not paying these guys a ton of money these scouts aren't making a zillion dollars some of them you know I mean, I, kevin i don't know if it's feasible for these like these scouts or uh any official for a team to be extended their contract to be extended by three months because if the draft would be held in september or october right. that that would cover it i mean i know that yesterday the nhl and the iihf ex uh, uh extended their agreement for another year um, in the midst of all these tr player transfers right. going on, so they were able to do that uh, with the current situation going on. So I don't, I can't understand. Yeah, I, why, yeah. yeah to me, I would just extend the guys you're going to extend, and the guys that you're going to let go, let go. And yeah. um, you know, I I understand that uh, you know because usually what happens when you get down, and Russ knows this to be true, um, you know, and there's lots of stories about it that's similar to what you said. You know, we're down in the seventh, and some the the head of the scouting will say. Well, who who wants to make a case for somebody? And, and and somebody will go, you know, I saw this guy 13 times, right. and I know that he can't skate, 
Right. But I'm telling you, he's going to improve and he's got a big heart. Yeah. And I know the family. I know, you know, his brother and the guy yeah. who, you know, has the loudest voice or the most compelling case, you know, wins. So I do understand that. But I think when you're talking about a seventh round pick, um, I, I just don't think that's enough to kind of disrupt the whole after the season, you hold the draft and make big trades um, type event and have it earlier when it, it's just going to seem um, disjointed um, because, you know, you're not going to be able to make the trades and you're not going to be able to maneuver. Sometimes trades are made with a first round pick involved in it and, you know, that's not going to happen. So I don't know. You know what? With I, don't, I think the the uh, negatives outweigh the benefit if there is a benefit. Uh, and here's I'll go. Let me go further into this because um, so I my trade concept is yeah, it's just a concept. That's obviously nothing that. And then I when I, when I one of the guys that bounced it off of just laughed at me, and the other the other said um, you could see you could see them being um, the NHL is going to have to be creative. So yeah, maybe you know um, that was the concept that. And and I'm not I'm, forget about the trade concept for a second. The real concept here. And the difference between the general managers and I found, and you know this, Kevin, from talking to people over the years, there's a big difference between how the GM views it, how an owner views it, you know? Right. For um, sure. And an owner, the owner's looking at this like, okay, we're coming back at the end. Of, we're coming, we're trying to, the, I asked him about the May 15th thing too, because that was through another yesterday, right? That the May that May 15th, they want the teams to start like informally working out so they can start working out. That May 15th thing he said is just like, uh, is basically not that he said at all. He just said it was a guideline. He says, you got to just, just to tell the guys, we got to get in shape. Make sure you're ready, and right. start, yeah. start yeah. trying to find ways here. Because if you're someplace else, start working on that now. Because you know you're going to have to get here, um, and and because then because getting in hockey shape versus getting in regular shape, you're not going to get in hockey shape until they hit the ice. That's just the reality of it. They can't, you know, they can't sure. do it. Right. Uh, that's you- the interesting thing about our sport. So, you know, so here's the thing. So I say to him, I'm like, so he's like, so look at this. We have May. We're saying May 15th. That's just don't don't forget about that for a second. But say we do start actually training the middle of june like say june 20th or something like that and we do it for two weeks you know roughly and we get into july 4th beginning or whatever somewhere in there we start um he says so we have like so so june 20th we start training so think about that that like june 15th or so we start getting excitement about that we start getting people writing about it we start getting the fired up and he says so his thing is so if you're going to do that and put the draft in the middle of that they would rather have the draft in the beginning of june where they can build excitement for something else in june that would then continue that would like build momentum from one thing to the other to the other well and i and i, and I could say one more thing which i'm not sure came up in your conversation but a lot of these kids again we don't know what the other leagues are going to do right but if you're not drafting them until september october they will already have their minds made up where they're going and what they're doing and teams like to sometimes change a path that a guy's on sure. and they won't be able to like it'll already be decided like these guys if a college season starts on time, if, even if there's no fans, they you know they can't pull them out of college. So no matter what, they they're going to be. Oh, and that's a great point. And GMs, um, GMs of course are going to hate. You know that the, the beginning of June is a real is a real mess because even if you had it at the end of June, there everything's been so disrupted, and there's been a sort of assumption going around with some of the guys that are like you know we're not doing this till i'm not gonna have to, i don't think about the draft now because it's not gonna happen until you know whenever it's gonna happen yeah, people don't, the, by the way teams don't want to have the draft in late june either they want to no. have it after the season so their mindset has been different you know right. so, well that that was the thing that that i was taken aback by yesterday cab was the fact that they were talking about early june they're talking about like june 6th or june 10th and i'm yeah. like you're 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 fast forwarding like because they're prepared to 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 for the draft in late June, close to July one, those two or three weeks 
All right, Mike. Here's here's the thing. Thing. Like they are so far ahead of where they normally are yeah. on the draft because yeah, okay. we just had Brad Smith on our podcast, Bob Duff and I, and he basically said they've been talking about the draft for a month. Because the owner, the, owner I, the owner I talked to said, I, we have less The owner I talked to said, we told our guys flat out a month ago that you have nothing else to do right now but worry about the chat. So, yeah, like, well, that's that, so they're ready to go, but that isn't, you know, I don't know that that makes it better like, that we got to have it now. Like, they'll, if you're ready to go, you're ready to go, but you'll be ready in September too. I used to the news cycle, the news cycle aspect of this, Kevin, for the, for the owner's perspective. There's a new, I, I don't see that, that it's a big deal. I, I don't see that it's going to create the buzz. Now, at least not in America. I, um, but, they, but they just saw last night the ratings of the NFL draft. Oh, But even the WNBA draft, right? Well, this was brought to me yesterday, too, yeah, right? Yeah. Got 127% more viewers than it did. Yeah, you want to know, know why? You want to know why? Because uh, the New York Liberty had six first-round picks. But even so, I don't think it's just Well, and, you, and they had a, a number one pick that had – you know, she had been in the news cycle. Yeah, Everyone's talking about her. For sure. There was a lot going yeah, on. The ratings would go up. It was the first sporting event. There was a lot of issues. I, I just don't think that it will create the buzz that makes it, you know, I I just think the draft would be better and more and, uh, you know, more interesting after the season when, you know, all of a sudden you can. I don't think uh, so. Because I hate it. I, you know, I, I, oh, I'm not. The only thing I can tell you from. I'm not trying to disagree with anybody here, but I got to finish this thought. Sorry, sorry. Right. Um, but, 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 and I'm not, I'm not throwing my personal opinions here, here as much as I'm just saying what I was told and giving you the perspective of what I was hearing, right? Mm -hmm. So, like my personal opinions, I'm kind of, I'm with you. Like I, I'm 100% with you that the draft should be held probably after the season. I mean, even though I think if it's going to be held now, let's have trades and like make it interesting. But, but I think it. it but, but the thing that was just constantly referred to me is like there is no way here. That you know the NHL is going to—they are seeing a huge, huge drop off in in traffic to NHL.com. They're seeing a huge drop off in traffic to all the team websites. I'm seeing a huge drop off. Tra everybody, everybody who's involved in hockey right now sees that this is falling fast. So to them, they see the great ratings of the NBA, the WNBA. They see the they see the the NFL and all the publicity it gets. And let's let's admit it. The, the what the NFL is is basically like. The NFL draft is like a sports, like a big, big version of a sports talk show to me. That's right. what it is, right? So they see this, and they, but it gets people talking, it gets people excited. I didn't watch a second of it last night, but that's because I'm not in, I'm not an NFL fan necessarily. But uh, but, but there are people who were who are going to be glued to it, you know, tonight, tomorrow, and all day Saturday. And most of you, put most of the folks on this panel probably will be. So, but here's the thing: the NH, NHL sees that, and they see their numbers falling, and they see everything dropping, and they're like, if we hold it, like you're saying. The, the, the space between the end of this season and the beginning of next season is going to be minute. It's going to be small. Yep. And there is going to be so much happening in that period of time that is going to be generating excitement enough as it is because you just, it just handed off the Stanley cup and now you're starting another season. There's enough there to keep the news people talking about things. Why not? If, if all we need, if all these people who are putting this draft together, get it, get it in the beginning of June and then get control of these players. Like Russ is saying ahead of time, be able to make your decisions on your scouts at the end of June, like you always have. And, and really, you know, the benefit is just, and I believe me, I, I will, I dread this. Cause I want, if there's no trades in the, in the NHL draft, you know, that sucks for me. Obviously it sucks for anybody who's involved in this business because it really does give a huge amount of, you know, traffic to us, the end, the trade part of it all. But I see where they're going. I see what I, I, they're going. I get the want of the league to stay relevant. 
I get that. I get the the I team. Want, it's a need, Mike. Like, no, got- no, I, I know. I, I know. No, I, I understand. I understand that. But what I'm saying is, for the sake of relevance, they cannot bastardize themselves and to and to like do things the wrong way simply to have a draft before. Are you saying the NHL draft? Well, how how you Hold on, you're bastardizing yourself with the right. NHL draft. It's not like you're talking about the Stanley Cup final. You're talking about the NHL draft, which we've all admitted is really like a minor story in and of itself. I mean, the worst thing that happens is we have a NHL the draft. Most the most consequential thing that happens at the draft, other than you know future stars being drafted in the first round, are the trades that are made at the draft. Of course, and that's true. And if you but, can't have that, I and mean, if, hold, if it, hold on, go yeah. ahead. Even if ratings aren't an issue, even if we say, all right, it's not going to be a bonanza, it certainly will go up. But I'm not even going with that. If you're just going strictly with data, there's no more data to be gained on any of these players. Right. There's no playoffs. There's no other tournaments. Right. All those things were canceled. That's why they're all talking about it now, because they're probably going back and looking at previous years more than they did, because they don't have as much data on guys that they're drafting this year as they did in previous years. It doesn't mean they don't have a, the right amount. It just means they don't have as much. So my point is, if you just wait two more months on that, these guys aren't going to keep talking about the draft for four months. It's going to get stale, and it's going to cost teams. What? what who are we talking about that's talking about the draft? Who's we? The, the internal employees that are supposed to be talking about the draft. If you think if they're going to keep up that same level talking from now until October, it's not going to happen. And some yeah, of them I think everybody's list are done. Yeah, but they, you. But again. Two things happen at the draft, and you still may not have exactly what you want at the table to be fully prepared for that. That's the whole thing. And, you know, you make a mistake in the first, second round, it could cost you millions. Just saying. I mean, well, I, I, the, the, the fallacy of, of the, um, the argument that, um, you know, er, that, you know, everybody's uh, – no one's reading hockey stories – is that nobody's reading any sports stories. Right. You talk to anybody, right nobody's reading MLB stories. The only people uh, that are reading sports stories are reading the NFL draft stories that's going on. But the NFL draft is a beast. Um, it always has been a beast. Mm-hmm. And guess what? When the draft is over, nobody will be reading NFL stories. Right. There, there, were, there were 650,000 people in the streets of Nashville last year for the NFL draft. And what were they there? They were there to watch watch Roger Goodell on stage. No, they wanted to drink booze and occasionally hear a pick. Well, yeah. Yeah. The issue on the NFL draft is just what I just stated, that yeah. it's easy to identify with the NFL draft because we have allegiances to yeah. schools and conferences and areas of the country that – uh, and we know the uh, uh, sort of the traditions of, uh, you know, where play, good players come from. Um, you know, there's just a lot that kind of goes into it. Even if you don't know the players, you know, it's worth watching. And, right. you know, frankly, they always do a good job. I watched the NFL draft last night, and even under trying conditions, you know, they did an excellent job. Oh, of, technically, of, it was excellent. Yeah, they, they did an excellent job of presenting yeah. their players. And, you know, they can – they can present their players um, and put videos of them. And we can, even though if we know nothing about it, we can relate to it because we know the teams they're talking about. Sure. Like they say this offensive lineman had a big game against Georgia. Right. You know, we know, wow, that, that, you know, that, that's impressive. And, you know, and he played, uh, you know, we, we just sort of have an understanding of how it all works. We yeah. can't do that in the NHL. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's 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 different to say this guy scored a hat trick against the Sarnia Sting. Exactly, that's the problem. Now in Canada, it it does does work. I mean, bringing it on and you bring all that, and everything works. But you know that that's not where they're trying to make inroads. But I know more all the time in the in the U.S. Though Kevin, every year it gets a little bit better in the U.S. And I think that's because oh, we're sure. the sure. NHL Network covering yeah, the world. Better, but I, I I just don't believe that you're going to suddenly create a buzz by having the draft yeah, but look at the pros the pros and cons of i mean what what benefit is it to throw it late i mean the when you look at the pros and cons the benefit is is that you do it in such a way that you don't compromise what the rules of the draft are exactly like you have established now and there are people actually counting on this and you know when you look on twitter right this morning mm -hmm. what are they all talking about you know the fact that everybody likes this you know three teams are going to move up and they got a shot and now the red, the fans in Detroit here are just thrilled because right. if they go to the old way, they're, they're you know they're, the worst they can do is second. Right, right, right. They're, 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 there's just there's the total. So we're going to change the rules for this grasping, grasping at some little straw that maybe for 24 hours, you know, we're going to create a and there's really no need to do it. Like I, I just don't know that it's. Uh, but it's um, not just the grasping. It's also a logistical thing. And 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 it's also it's 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 really, I mean, it is that space and time between the seasons that is going to be so crazy small, Kevin. I mean Well, it will be crazy small, but you know, we this is the league that you know ends the season on a Tuesday and then everybody goes to <laughs> I know. Vegas and I have know. A, a celebration of the winners, and then everybody immediately gets on a plane and goes to the draft. So this is the way we do it. And but now we have that draft. They know they've got a little bit of time before July first, and then after that, they have they have I a mean, couple months. We 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 sort of established that this is the way we like to do it. Well, like at, we at, everything in there. So. Yeah, yeah. Last year in Vancouver, you know, Russ and I left for left for home on Sunday. Monday was the beginning of the five-day window for free agency. So right. they're used they're used to this compact. Yeah, Mike, it's not about that. It's about after that. It's about like they don't start the season on July 15th. Like no, that's what we're talking about. Here. That's, what's here. that's that's what's gonna happen if we have the draft, if we have a normal draft week week free agency thing in between, we're talking about like November, no, maybe November. I don't know, 10th. We're starting December 1st or whatever. They're going to have to have at least two or three weeks to have free agency. Yeah, because we're going to have free agency. We're yeah. going to have free agency. Yeah, but it's going to be, it's all going to. Go ahead, Russ. They're it's not going to be free agency. Let's put it this way. They're not going to say that there's that we, we only have three days to sign free agents. Right. So the start of the season is, is yeah. going to be, you know, it's not going to be four days after the end of this. No. It's well, going to be shorter. The percentage of free agents that are signed, Kevin, I mean, like the wide majority of the big name free agents are signed in the first week anyway. I, I mean, I, well, listen, I, I'm just telling you what I've been told. You yeah, know. but, I, but I, I'm, I'm, other numbers. I'm doing the same thing. Trust me. I'm, I'm, just, I'm not disagreeing with the sentiment that the GMs are sharing or what you're sharing with. I'm agreeing with all that, but I'm just telling you that there's this other thing out there. That is that is weighing that these owners are worried about losing their momentum in the NHL, and they feel like the draft. Why not? The, and they and you know that when you're in Bettman's office, you know there's like next to the big Lego Stanley Cup is our four TVs that are sitting there, and they have like the NFL Network on, the NBA Network on, and the MLB Network on, and he sits there and he watches what's happening carefully with all those other leagues. And that right, matters. Think about this. Though. So last year with the Cup. They reached a high, the NHL, of like 10 million viewers, right? And and that's when everything's rolling right. If you if NBC were to if you were to, if NBC were to say, hey, 
listen, right now our ratings aren't great either. And on a Friday night, if you could give us a two hour show, you probably could pull in a million, maybe even two million viewers. Sure. That's better than what they're pulling in now for what they're showing. For and sure. that's what I think you have to look at. I know the NFL is a different beast, and yes, they jump from six million to eleven million, but the but the NHL one will jump a bit too. And again, NBC will plug the hell out of it for the next month or so because all their shows just ended. They don't have a lot of programming either now. And but in terms, yeah. but in, but in, ter in terms of it making an impact, it's like throwing a pebble in a, in a wave crashing into the beach. But it's better yeah. than nothing. Here's the thing I think I I can I I don't think it'll make a difference in terms of uh, what. But I to be honest with you, I'm not opposed to it. If they want to do it, it you yeah. know, I'll, I'll be happy to. I'll watch it. Yeah, me too. I mean, I I'm all in it. I just don't like you know. I find it contradictory that one of the reasons why we, that that everyone seems a little upset about the point percentage and rolling back to 68 um, is because you know we we, we had this idea that coming in. We were going to play 82 games, and it just doesn't seem unfair. Now all of a sudden, we're going to just change change the draft rules that in in such a way that mm -hmm. some teams are significantly helped, and others who thought they had a real chance, yeah. their fan bases are now being told. And so I just don't think it's enough. Now saying all that, if they want to do it, I mean I'm totally on board. I mean I understand they want to sort of create a buzz. I just don't know that they can do it. Um, with you know the draft, um, you know, I, is anyone got any idea what the NBA is planning to do? No, because you know, no one's reading the NBA stuff. I know, um, no, no, no one's reading. No one's reading anything. Paying any attention to them either, and they don't seem to be concerned about it. And the NBA draft is generally a bigger deal. I think, I think the issue they may not be concerned about the draft. I think they're concerned. Their biggest fight, Kev, is their players don't want to play in front of empty stands. Right. That's their biggest problem. That's why you're not hearing any discussion. Because the, the biggest players in that sport were like, yeah, we don't really want to play him not. But I thought that LeBron's flipped on that. Yeah, I'm sure he did after pressure. Yeah. But that's not Adam really. Silver cool. got him on speed. And the NBA, this the it, it, the draft is like, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a bigger draw than the NHL draft. But it's not. It doesn't money wise or any, or momentum wise. I don't think the M the NBA looks at the money they have coming in from television and they're like, okay, we're okay. Right. The NHL lives lives hand to mouth more than any league out there right, right. so like the real the reality is that to them anything that they think of that could possibly even raise and the, and one the one guy who is a former owner said to me i think it's great because i think it would raise the the profile of the NHL, nhl draft i think people would watch it that never watched it before um and i'd say so i think that would be kind of interesting that's, of all the nonsense that's kind of come out of your little box that's, <laughs> that's the best thing that you said <laughs> I, I agree with that I agree with that. I think there will be people who, uh, uh, you know, I, I, by the way, I realized that it was nonsense that is coming from an owner through you, but yes, um, but <laughs> thank you. I, I didn't mean it to. It, that you came know out. the owner I'm talking about. Um, yeah, but, they came out harsher than I meant it to be. No, no, no that's fine. <laughs> but, but anyway, I can play that game, Kevin. You want to play that game? We'll play that game. Don't, don't you think? Don't you think that that there's a lot of truth to that? I do think people would. Um, you know, just attempt to kind of go in because they'd say, sure. you know, I don't know who the top pick is, you know. I, I mean, I don't know. And I, I agree. I think that's the case. I'm going to drop my phone on top of your head. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can, can we uh, – there was actually a consequential signing yeah. uh, yesterday that I wanted to bring up because yeah. I, I find it interesting, Kev, after 
you know, and, and there was no probably little or no chance that uh, that Bobrovsky was going to re-sign in Columbus uh, after last season. Uh, in, in the span of a week, Yarmo Kekalainen has re-signed Corpusalo for two years and now re-signed uh, Elvis for two years. And now between the two of them, he's spending less than $7 million on, the, on his pair of goaltenders, whereas Bobrovsky is making $10 million a year. And if you – Russ and I have talked about this. Uh, Bobrovsky has had a terrible year in Florida. Not to say he's yeah. not a pre-roll goaltender, but I actually like Columbus's situation better than uh, than them than uh, than Florida. Well, I agree, and I wonder too. And Russ, this would be something for you to weigh on, especially with the you know the prospect thing. But you know what we saw last year with Tuka Rask was you know reduction in the number of games mm-hmm. and his and his excellent playoff performance. Yep. And you saw this year with teams um you know cutting down that number you know is is what we see now in columbus going to be you know kind of the new norm where yeah yeah. is they're definitely moving towards that i think the one thing that we have to be careful with with bob is he has no backup there if they actually got a real backup for him they'd be able to run a better system for him too as far as days off and everything else he's got nothing there well, that's been the that's been my complaint with the Leafs and Frederick Anderson for all these years is that they haven't had a competent backup since they had McElhaney a few years ago. Well, they traded for Campbell, and Campbell played more than the usual backup, and Anderson's numbers went up because he was actually rested. So right. I think I think Quenville was playing Chris Dridger because yeah. Bob was burnt out, not because Chris Dridger is better than Bob. But we've seen we've yeah. seen in like in Dallas. Uh, Kudobin and and Bishop. Yeah. We've seen we've seen Boston with uh, with Halak and Rask. Uh, yeah, like the Rangers are planning for Shesterkin and, and and Georgiev. So that looks like that's their plan too. So I think that is the way it's going. Kevin, it's going back to the way, the way it was in the in the in the early eighties. Remember, like Chico and or yeah. Roly Melanson and 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 Billy Smith or in Buffalo Edwards and Sove played forty games each. They there was a balance there. Well, you know the other thing too. That uh, Merzlikens, you know, when he uh, came in, everybody said he was going to be the guy. Like, I think everyone assumed he would steal the net and hold it throughout the year, but he had an adjustment problem. But boy, once he figured it out, he was every bit the guy that everyone thought he was going to be. And I wonder if that also was sort of have uh, people kind of running, looking at, uh, you know, some of the goalies who are performing well uh, in European leagues. Yeah. um, And, you know, taking a, look at them uh, you know a second look and get you know getting them over and see if that hey you know because uh you know if he can do it then there are others could too possibly some may may think for sure i i think what's interesting too i mean looking at and even looking at the bob signing you know like in general these big signings of big big numbers to goalies like we you know we really do wonder if you'll hear if you'll see it again you know like it's one of those things like a goalie because the gms are going to be really scared of goalies in general um and Especially, you really have to look at the the mental state of certain goalies. Like, was but you know some players handle signing big numbers differently than others. Some the players who take it more to heart, you know, that feel like now they've got to do better because they sign, they're making more money, are are always disasters, right? They're like the ones that are disasters. They they're the ones who are like, oh man, you know. And I could see Bob's personality being that way. You can see that that's the kind of guy he is. Like he really he's a workout fiend. He no one works out harder than Bobrovsky. He's just he's crazy. He's crazy sensitive to certain things. Um, last year, the Blue Jackets tried to trade him at one point, and he um, he wouldn't do it. 
and then he blocked it. it. He blocked yeah. it, and then but not didn't just block it. Wouldn't give him like the list of teams that at all that he was required to give him. It was a real frustrating thing for Columbus. They were really just like dealing with the whole thing. And there's certain signs there that you could say, you know, like maybe we shouldn't sign this guy to a zillion dollars, but yet he's the best goalie available. He's won two Vezinas in the last you know couple years, so it's hard not to not to be tempted by that. But it really does make you wonder. Well, what does that, you know, does that uh, make people think twice, uh, you know, uh, signing Braden Holtby or, yeah, you know, yeah. this summer? At least the term of the contract. I mean, yeah. I, I, we, were, we were talking about this a couple of days ago because I've been writing stuff about, you know, potential you know, compliance buyouts with certain teams. And, I mean, it would take a, a, a large amount of cojones for a general manager who had just signed a goaltender to a seven-year, $70 million deal to go to the owner in year two and say, okay, I think we should compliance buyout Bobrovsky. He might as well hand in his uh, notice at that point. But yeah. you look at that contract, and at the age that he's at, and based on a small window of how he's performed, it might be the it might be the smartest thing for that team to do is to find a way to get out of it. But it, I mean, it's still going to cost Vinny Viola, you know, fifty million dollars to buy to buy out a uh, a contract for uh, even if it doesn't count on the books. Yeah, it's true. I, here, here's a question for you. It's a hockey question and one yeah. I've been sort of asking people. Now, obviously, uh, I think the Red Wings uh, are going to part ways with Jimmy Howard, and and they're going to have an opening for a goalie now. They have Bernier, who played pretty well for them uh, this season. But and the thought is, well, they'll just go with Bernier because they're not, you know, far enough down the road. But but what about? And I've sort of run this by: Does it make any sense for them because they're a young team and they're going to play a lot of young players to bring in a guy like Braden Holtby on a shorter contract mm -hmm. because they know they're going to get consistent quality goaltending yeah. and it's just a little easier for them to grow when they're not worried about giving up four and five goals, you know, a night. Now, I've, I've run that by, and some guys I talked to around the league who have been around a long time say, nah, you know, it, it's just not time not to do it. And I've talked to the other guys and said, you know, there's something to that. Yeah. That, you know, it's it's bad, uh, and it's harder to grow as a young team mm -hmm. when your your back end is a mess every night. Well, and Mark-Andre um, Fleury, right? Yeah. So, so anyway – I wonder what you guys think about that. Does that make any sense? Because you know, I don't think they're going to do it. But uh, I mean, the obvious thing that I think at first off is 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 getting Hopi to do that, right? Like get like right. would Hopi? Yeah. No. <laughs> well, it depends on what his options are because, right. as we all know, there's always a limited market for goalies. True. So. True. Um, and if there if the options are limited, then yeah, you look at it. But you also you know, Hopi's also such a competitor. You would wonder he's. He, I mean, he, but he definitely want. He also the other thing about Hopi that's interesting that that I think kind of helps your point out a little bit. Is I get the sense from talking to people that he is very dead set on knowing he's the starter, like that. That is one of the most important things right. when he goes to some place. You know, he's gonna he wants to be known that he's the starter, no questions asked. Like, like almost like a Mark Andre Fleury situation in Vegas, where you are definitely the starter, no two ways about it. It's your job. Well, it depends on what teams can give him that. You know, I mean, teams could sign him, but but there are a lot of teams out there that would are always going to have people challenging for him. It, it depends on what Mohopi's motivation is. He he's making six point one million dollars. I think if he signed a three year deal or a four year deal with Detroit, he would probably need to get overpaid, and that probably wouldn't be a problem for Detroit because they have a ton of cap space. So, you know, you pay pay a little more for the stability and net. 
You don't have to rush a young goaltender uh, to into the NHL. You you know you draft somebody this year maybe, or sign somebody from Europe, and you allow him a couple years to develop in the American Hockey League, and you have competent goaltending at the NHL level. The only negative there is if if Eiserman's plan is to you know, continue to finish in the top three or four, get a top three or four pick and build his team that way, then having a good goaltender lowers your chances of that. But you don't want your team to be a joke either. So it's a, it's sort of a delicate balance. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't think Detroit's a tank town, you know, I mean, you know, no, no I, I don't either. Uh, no, you know, they, they, they sort of did this year a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah, but um, it gets there like at one point, but it's not like something that they would be very good at being like the Toronto was okay doing it for a bunch of years. Pittsburgh was okay doing it for, did it for two years, Zach. I know. I'm just, they finished. Having, they finished <laughs> I'm just having, I know, I know, but, but you know, there are teams that have done it for sure. Right. And I agree. And Edmonton, you know, Edmonton didn't always do it and still ended up with the first pick, but you know, the idea was this is whole thing. I don't, I think Detroit, I mean, Philly did it one year too. And they ended up getting Van Reams, like not Patrick Kane. Everybody can do it, you know, at one point, and you know that was definitely the if case. You win the lottery, yeah, right. But I think that I think it's a great question because it definitely. I mean, there's nothing that gives young defense confidence better than having a goalie like that back there. I mean, that if well, you know, and the reason I thought about it is is the goalie market will be pretty limited. Yeah, uh, it will be. You know, you know, there's going to be some quality goalies out there, and uh, you know, there's very few teams looking for a goalie. You know, me, I look at Calgary. You know, yeah, like, you know, Calgary's to me a, you know, a prime one. Um, yeah, they're a great team without a goalie. Edmonton maybe, but and and that's depends on how. That's maybe as well. Yeah, I agree. On how things go in the playoffs with their goalies. Um, yeah, and the and the fact the factor that's hanging over every team's head right now is expansion. They have to expose a goaltender. So I mean, that's going to be you know another situation where teams. Yeah. This is going to be a weird year coming up for goaltending because you're going to see teams probably yeah. like uh, um, Montreal signed a, a 25-year-old goaltender out of the KHL. They have a good, decent backup in Charlie Lindgren. They have a prospect in Caden Primo. Why do they sign this guy? Because they're going to have to expose somebody in expansion, and they need somebody who can be a backup, and they, they're covering their bases. And a lot of teams will be doing the same thing. Yeah. I really like I really liked the, 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 the more I think about it, Kevin, the more I think that you, the whole concept of um, – Mark Andre Fleury and Hopi, there are some similarities there, you know. And in one of Fleury's main reasons he was willing to go to Vegas too was the same thing to get out of that constantly battling for the number one spot. Right. right. That, that was definitely a factor there, and it worked out really well for them. That's an interesting thing. Well, before we go real fast here, um, we're going to do since we are since the draft may or not be happening in the near future, we're doing our our uh, draft lottery simulator. Uh, for everybody nowadays, even though we don't know if this is the way the draft lottery is going to be. Yeah, they're going to have to adjust the simulator if they ju- if they change right. the odds. Right, exactly. But let's see who wins today, just for the heck of it, and we'll talk, you know. Um, today is uh, San Jose. Ottawa wins the pick. That uh. came from San Jose um, in this one. So San Jose, well, when San Jose wins the lottery and Ottawa takes that pick, that's a, a nightmare scenario for San Jose. Buffalo with the second <laughs> overall pick. <laughs> <laughs> Buffalo gets the second overall pick. Yep. Uh, New Jersey moves up to the third. Again, New Jersey has like, and again, Detroit, who this draft lottery simulator seems to hate, and they fall to fourth. Right. And, um, and yeah. they, well, the Red Wing fan, the fan base thinks that's what's going to happen. They're going to fall. But they, you know, the, I keep telling them, you know, the, the really the odds you got a 50% chance of finishing in the top three if you're Detroit. Right. Yeah. No, not, not quite 50. I think it's 49.4, but something with it. Yeah. Something yeah. Like yeah. So, 
All right. Well, thanks, guys. Um, the question: Did my did Eklund's fantasy hockey playoffs go DOA? No, I just had because of because of family stuff. I was unable to travel back into the into the alternate universe. I will go there this weekend and come back on Monday with a report as to what's been happening. Um, for all of you to for all of you care because you know again things family stuff came up this week as you saw I missed a couple podcasts and stuff like that. So yeah, I'll be back. I'll be back there. I'm going to go there this weekend for sure. I can't wait to get there. Um, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us and insulting me and all the stuff that you did. Yeah, for, being, for unintentionally being too mean. I, you're not too mean. I I, I, I love the debates. That that's I my job. You're, you're, you're moving into my territory. Yeah, I, 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 really... it, it didn't come out exactly the way I intended. <laughs> not exactly, but that's fine. I thought it was, I thought it was a really interesting one because, because, you know, it's a kind of a GM versus owner's perspective on this thing. I thought it was kind of unique. Um, yeah. anyway, We'll talk later, guys. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you on Monday. Have a great weekend, everyone. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.